This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'm Bill Pollock, the Mizzou Tiger basketball team getting ready for the SEC tournament. They're a four seed. The tournament starts on Wednesday, but with the Tigers finishing fourth, they get a double bye. So they'll be off Wednesday and Thursday. They will play Friday. What a finish, considering that this team was picked to finish 11th in the league. A great job by first-year coach Dennis Gates, but he was not named Coach of the Year. That will be shared by Texas A&M's Buzz Williams and Vanderbilt's Jerry Stackhouse. Uh, We'll talk with Mike Kelly, the voice of the Tigers. What does he think about that? We'll have him on later on in the show. And, of course, the weather is starting to get warm. And it's the beginning of fishing. Busy season is right around the corner. Cameron Connor will talk with the Missouri Department of Conservation and their fisheries program specialist, Andrew Branson, about the best times and areas to fish in Missouri as the season moves on. He'll also give insight into some of the best resources that the Department of Conservation offers to keep you up to date. Missouri is working to prevent the immediate loss of government benefits like food stamps, when participants get a job raise or a job promotion. Lisa Nelson talks to the bill sponsor, State Senator Mary Elizabeth Coleman of Jefferson County. One of those pieces I think I'll talk about first, and then kind of the second is a continuation of some work that I started in the House. So when I was campaigning for the Senate, I would meet person after person who, because of inflation or because of the uh, minimum wage increase requirements, are finding themselves turning down work or turning down wages because they are currently receiving benefits and they're so afraid to take a bet on themselves that they would be able to have complete independence. So a lot of times the common benefits that somebody who's receiving, um, somebody who's part of the working poor, our friends and our neighbors who are kind of trapped in dependency, they are receiving you know, maybe a child care subsidy. They might be on food stamps. We call it TANF or SNAP benefits. Um, They may have a health card for their kids, so their kids are able to receive CHIP, uh, which is the state's run Medicaid program for their kiddos. And the way the programs are designed right now is that if you make $1 more than the qualifying amount, uh, then you receive all benefits for that program. And each individual program has a different qualifying level as a percentage of the poverty level, ranging from about 130% of the poverty level to about 185% of the poverty level. So we're talking for a family of three, often a single mom and two kids, um, that's usually right around um, about $22,000 a year they're living off of. Maybe even they're receiving a housing subsidy as well. We have unfortunately created a system where we've got an anchor instead of a ladder, because if you can't pick up extra hours, if you can't accept that raise and and um, that promotion, because you're going to make a, a little bit more, but not enough more to cover the subsidy that you're receiving for your child care. And so maybe you lose your child care and then you would lose your job, or maybe you can't uh, qualify for food stamps, but you're not going to make enough money to be able to make up that difference in price. And so what a lot of states have been doing, um, 19 states actually have passed a version of this that would allow you to share that increase with the state. So if you make just a little bit more, then we're going to decrease the benefit that you receive by a little bit. And what happens then is it's not really the first raise or the first time you take extra hours. It's the longer-term upside of that, right? So because when you get a promotion at work, it leads to a second promotion or a third promotion as you're taking on additional responsibility. So it lets people bet on themselves and to be able to climb out of dependency. So that's the first part of the bill. And then the second part of the bill is we make it really hard, um, unfortunately, to both apply for to receive benefits, but also to know when you have to turn your paperwork in to stay on those benefits. And I think that our social safety net programs as a conservative Republican should be um, for those who need it for the very most, uh, who are the most vulnerable. They should be for a set period of time. They should be very clear what you need to be able to get to do to have them. And then also clear to know who shouldn't be receiving them anymore. So the second part of the bill makes the application for benefits um, one page or as close to one page as possible. Right now, if you're applying for all of the different types of benefits, it would be 63 pages. Um, That's a lot of duplicative information. Actually, it's almost all duplicative information. It would ask you for your sex about eight times, or it would ask for your address multiple times. And so 
you know, let's simplify the, the application. And then also let's make it clear when somebody has to turn in their paperwork to be able to recertify when they're going to, um, to be able to maintain those benefits. So the bill says we should need to make that one page um, or as close to as practicable. And then also it, that reauthorization process is due on tax day every year. People know you have to turn in your paperwork to the government on tax day. And then the added benefit of that is we know who is actually a dependent in your household because it's on your tax forms. And we also have verification of what your adjusted gross income is because it's also on your tax form. So the state is able to make determination processes easy. We're able to make sure that everybody who should be on the benefits are able to receive them. And those who aren't are no longer able to continue to receive them. So um, this is a pretty great kind of bipartisan push uh, to reform our safety net programs. And I'm pretty excited that we're working, you know, pretty quickly this year to get that across the finish line. So tax day would be the day, or are you just throwing no, that out? No, right. it would be tax day, right, and the bill okay. we're suggesting tax day, because again, you know you've got to get your paperwork in on tax day, and you've got to get your pay stubs and know what you've made and file your tax return. State Senator Mary Elizabeth Coleman, so has it been not clear to the point where people were actually booted off, sort of, has that situation mm -hmm. happened? Yeah, so what happened was, well, it's a little complicated. So. We, under the COVID protocol, the COVID emergency that's been um, passed federally or in place since really what, Mar February, March of 2020, we haven't been able to recertify the roles for people who are receiving benefits. That's going to end on April 1st. Once April 1st happens, we're going to have that recertification process. Um, we'll be allowed to double check and see who is eligible. But when I first came into the State House, we had also not done recertification just because the state hadn't gotten around to doing it for many years. And in that recertification process, over 100,000 people were dropped from our Medicaid rolls. Um, and there was an outcry from the public about why are we kicking people off of the Medicaid rolls. But those were people who had either never received services and were signed up or had signed up and no longer um, qualified. And so this, again, just kind of makes everybody clear this is what you need to do to stay on the programs. And if you are not qualified, you no longer will be. So I think it's about fairness um, and about making sure that taxpayers' help goes to those who need it the most. I seem to recall when you filed your bill about streamlining the application process back in the House that you actually tried to fill out the application. And you being a lawyer, I think you ran into challenges yeah, it's well, not right? it's not easy to 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 figure out. And actually, Senator Holly Thompson Rader testified in the Senate hearing this year that she was trying to help her sister apply for benefits, and she was confused. And she's been a legislator for years, also. And so, when you have people who intimately understand the system, who've been working to try to reform it or to improve it. Um, or even lawyers who can't navigate it, it's very hard to expect that everybody else is going to be as well. And so I think that these are programs that are designed to help our neighbors who need it the most. And we have a moral obligation to make sure that we're administering the program in a fair and easy to understand way. And then if you don't qualify, that you no longer are eligible and should stay on the program, right? So it's a kind of a both and. Would there be a cap on this um, for the the portion that over would the reduce, face down? Yeah, yeah. That would reduce your benefits uh, gradually, or yeah. So the stair step. So there is. So once you hit three hundred percent of poverty, that family's benefits would end completely. Um, that number I picked because it's what we're currently using for our CHIP program, our children's health insurance program through Medicaid. Once you hit 185% of the poverty level, though, there's a taxpayer component that you pay a bit of a premium, and the premium increases up to 300%. So it's really taking that idea and applying it to the child care subsidies and our food programs as well. But this was all, this sounds like this was really constituent driven. When you mm -hmm. opened, you talked about how this is what you heard about when you campaigned to run for the Senate. So well, in both really... pieces of it are constituent driven because we, okay. uh, we were getting calls 
um, in my office about people who were dropped, who didn't think that they should have been dropped. And we also got calls from people who said they got a letter saying that they were dropped and they didn't remember ever enrolling in the program. So clearly expectation management needed to be, people needed to know when they needed to get paperwork and where they needed to get it and what needed to be provided. So the first piece of the bill, making it cleaner and easier um, to apply and then also for the state to be able to recertify who is eligible for the programs is needed. But also, um, I did, I, had, I, met, I met people when I was knocking on doors saying, I, I couldn't put my childcare subsidy at risk. And with particularly our big box stores, where there's been increases in the minimum wage, we're pushing people out of ability to use those um, to use those programs before they're able to make a gap. And the Biden administration recognizes what this gap is, and even has urged the Federal Reserve out of Atlanta. They have a website now where you can put in how much money you make, how big your family is, and it'll tell you what the maximum amount of money you can make so that you don't lose those benefits. That's silly. We don't want people limiting how much money they're willing to make. We want to be able to help people make more so they can be self-supporting. So that was really part of what was driving this bill. State Senator Mary Elizabeth Coleman, thank you for joining Show Me Today. Thanks so much. This is Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Hi, Grandma. Can Nina come over for dinner? Sure. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma... If anyone ever does, I want you to say, no, I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. I promise, Grandma. They really do hear you. For tips on what to say, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past the turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's, it's our roads. roads. It's, it's our safety. safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. Women hear a lot about self-care these days. Advice on ways to relax, exercise, eat healthy, and more. Those are all great. But one of the most important self-care steps we can take is making sure we're financially secure later in life. That means saving money for retirement. It's never too late to start. And it's the kind of self-care that brings peace of mind that lasts. For small steps you can take to save for retirement, visit WeSaySaveIt.org. That's WeSaySaveIt.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. A Shiro's work is never done. You care for the house, the kids, and our future. We're so grateful for all you do. Now it's time to care for yourself and save a little more for retirement. A free three-minute online chat can give you the personalized tips you need to boost your retirement savings now. Visit aceyourretirement.org today. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. Back on Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Last week, it was, uh, I guess it's kind of the Super Bowl of fishing. They opened up the, the trout season. Uh, it was a big event 
a huge happening in Missouri. So now the busy season's going to be cranking up here. Cameron Connor is with Missouri Department of Conservation's Fisheries Program Specialist Andrew Branson to talk about the best times and areas to fish throughout Missouri as the season goes on. And he's got some insight, too, into some of the resources that the Conservation Office offers to keep you up to date. How about moving to fishing in general? Yes, so we have March 1st for the trout catch-and-keep season that's opening up, which is getting, (laughs) I'm sure anglers all over the place, pretty giddy. But then as it moves throughout Mm -hmm. the entire fishing season in general, can you kind of outline where some of the best spots are throughout the entire state, whether it's trout or not, as the seasons move on? Yeah, the... um... Yeah, Missouri's got great fishing all around the state, and uh, and like you said, the the March one that's the big that's the big date for the trout fishermen, trout anglers. But there is really no date official start date to the other fishing. Uh, you can fish year round for all sorts of things. What most people do, they kind of look at the spawn when you know fish are quite active. They're more active when they're in spawning season. Uh, so that's that's kind of a time to target different types of fish, and you'll hear people talking about, oh, the crappie, I'm going crappie fishing because they know crappie are, are spawning, so crappie can be more active. But, um, and that's all based on water temperature. But yeah, just some of the some of the dates or times of the year that people kind of uh, keep track of. Uh, crappie, uh, mid-April to early June uh, is the big crappie season. Now, again, you can fish for crappie year-round, but mid-April to early June, that's when crappie are most active. Um, and that's going to be fairly typical for a lot of fish. Um, let's see what else we have here. Catfish. Catfish actually can be really good uh, fishing uh, late May to mid-July. So catfish spawn at a at a higher temperature. So they're going to be a little bit later. They're going to be more active if you want to catch them during that time, late May to mid-July. The uh, Some of the other fish, uh, let's see, paddlefish, of course, that's, that's probably the other game fish that we do have a big season that people look forward to. Paddlefish season, that's going to be typically, well, the dates don't change each year, but I believe it's March 15th to the end of April. And that's paddlefish season, paddlefish snagging season. But again, uh, if people kind of follow the, uh, the, the time of year when fish spawn, that is a good time to target them. Okay, great. Fantastic. And and this might sound like a little bit of a redundant question, but just to follow up with it for, it's safe to assume that, I, like you said, you can, once this opens up, you can fish for trout, you know, year round at these trout parks and stuff. But is March one of the most ideal times in Missouri to be catching trout? Actually, the in the trout parks, uh, it's the way we stock the trout parks. Like I said, we manage the trout parks uh, with the hatcheries and we we make sure they're fully stocked each day. So actually, during that catch and keep season in the trout parks, you know, March 1 through October, you know, pretty much every day is going to be about the same because the the fish are basically in the same temperature water because they're it's spring fed, so they're going to have the same consistent water temperature um and these fish are being raised in our hatcheries and stocked there. So, that's what's great about the trout parks is it really doesn't matter what time of year you're fishing in the trout parks, it's going to be a pretty consistent and pretty pretty safe bet you're going to catch something. Now, again, when you get out into the rivers and streams, then it can be a little bit different. That's that's a more natural behavior, natural situation, I guess you could say. Uh, the water temperature is still going to be basically consistent, but the, the fish are out there eating, you know, uh, what they can catch. And at that point, the trout typically try to go through spawning behaviors and stuff uh, in the colder months, so kind of October, October. Uh, I know you hear a lot of people really hitting those trout streams uh, later in the year when it's starting to cool off. And uh, probably part some of the reason for that is is some of the other warmer water fish may be kind of slowing down for the season when the, when the weather and everything gets cooler. But the trout, that's kind of when they seem to pick back up again. Fishery Program Specialist with the Missouri Department of Conservation. This is Andrew Branson. One of the other questions that came to mind, you mentioned the Mo Fishing app, which is a great tool for anglers across Missouri to use. What about any other tools that the Missouri Department of Conservation offers, or maybe it's tournaments, tools, tips and tricks, anything like that? Where where can Missourians find all that? Yeah, probably the number one thing uh, that a lot of people go to is our annual fishing prospects. And what the fishing prospects is, is a um, it's a summary that our fisheries biologists do each year. It's a summary of the fish the fish populations around the state. And uh, we have a hard copy of the fishing prospects. It's actually a little booklet. 
that people look for each year at the beginning of each year. It's out right now. Uh, or through that Mo Fishing app, uh, you can access the fishing prospects there. And basically what it is, it's our fisheries biologist, um, again, summarizing what the fish population has done the past year, and then they give a prediction of where will be you know, hot, hot spots to fish for certain species. And that's listed in the booklet in our fishing prospects and the app under best bets. So that's what a lot of people do is they'll, they'll grab that. They'll look at the fishing prospects and they'll want to know what the best bets for uh largemouth bass or the best bets for crappie, uh, according to our fisheries biologists. And uh, that changes from year to year. There are a lot of locations that don't change, but then maybe new ones kind of pop up, but uh, the fishing prospects is a great thing to look. And that's on our website as well. And once again, we're talking to a fishery program specialist with the Missouri Department of Conservation. This is Andrew Branson. Andrew, one of the other things that we were talking about is you also oversee the fishing pro or you also oversee the record fish program in Missouri, right? That's that's got to be exciting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's real exciting. And I do. It's it's uh, it, it's a, it's quite a fun program. You know, we have people contact us saying, hey, I may have a state record fish. It's the biggest one of these I've ever seen. And and uh, we've got a certification process. You know, they fill out an application and we go through it. And uh, lots of times it is a state record fish, but a lot of times it's the biggest fish they've ever seen, but it's not close to the state record. Uh, <laughs> so we, we, we kind of have to let them in on that or let them down a little bit. Uh, on on, a, on the, the other side of that, though, is uh, even if it's not a state record, more than likely, it does qualify for another award that we have, and it's called the Master Angler Award. And that is an award that recognizes a, a fish, kind of a trophy or a memorable-sized fish that someone catches, has to meet, the fish has to meet a certain weight or length. So quite often when these people call with this big fish, thinking it's a state record, it won't be a state record, but uh, it'll qualify for a Master Angler Award, and we can send them a certificate on that. But uh, state record fish, it is a fun program. Um, we have about six to eight new records each year, some years more, some some less. Uh, and like I said, we've got quite a certification process. We have to come and actually witness the weighing of the fish on a certified scale. We have to positively identify it. And the reason we go through all that is, is uh, well, we want to make sure this is fair to the previous record holders, uh, that we've done our best to identify the fish. But uh, a lot of these fish, well, I don't want to say a lot, but some of these fish can actually go on to be world records. And um, so we want to make sure we get the ID and the weight and all of that correct. In fact, uh, we've had one state record fish this year. Uh, our very first one of the season uh, was just a few, about a month ago, and it was actually a blue sucker. And that's a fish a lot of people aren't familiar with. Um, but this was an 11-pound fish caught out of the... Uh, I think it was officially the Osage River, right there where the Osage and Missouri come together. But this fish not only beat the state record, but it shattered the world record. So the uh, angler is actually applying for the world record right now. So that's pretty exciting. Wow. No, that is extremely exciting. And I, I remember reading up on that. So I, I'm glad that you, you referenced that because that was going to be my next question. <laughs> As a wrap-up question yeah. for you, the, the only other thing that's coming into my head, you were talking about we have to use an official scale we have to make sure it's fair to the previous record holders. Have you ever caught someone who's trying to get away with one, who's trying to maybe finagle their way into mm -hmm. saying it's the state record? Or let's say let's say they know it's like a, a half an ounce off. Have you ever seen someone that's like slipped a river rock down down a fish or something to right. try to get it? <laughs> yeah. You know, I cannot say that we've ever run across that. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, I've not I've not run across that at all, you know, and, you know, I think that's that's one of the reasons we have uh, the requirement that a fisheries staff person or a conservation agent actually have to witness the fish, you know, so we have to have the fish in hand, we have to witness the weighing, and uh, I think with that, that probably anybody that may think they may try to slip something by us, they may think twice when they realize, okay, this person is going to be looking at the fish. They're going to have it for a while going through the certification process, you know, uh, so then they they probably decide otherwise. But uh, also, you know, when we, by having the fish in hand, you know, if we if we see a fish and, and you know, it weighs, if it weighs, uh, you know, if it's kind of an unusual weight, like this fish shouldn't be weighing this much, uh, you know, that might be kind of a red flag. But, you know, I don't I don't know if that's ever happened. I can't say I can't think of a time when that has happened, but 
you know, I tell I tell people, well, at the very most, we grab the fish and shake it, see if there's any <laughs> any rocks or any weights in there rattling around. But uh, just kind of jokingly, but you know, again, we haven't run across anybody trying to put one past us on it. Once again, this has been Missouri Department of Conservation's Andrew Branson speaking about the Missouri catch and keep trout season that starts March 1st and then also talking about just some general tips and tricks that go out throughout the rest of this fishing season as it starts to heat up for all of these anglers across Missouri. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us on Show Me Today, The Voice of Missouri. Oh, Cameron, my pleasure. Anytime. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past the turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's It's our roads. It's It's our safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. If you talk and they will hear you. Why are we getting killed like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh, no, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why they shouldn't drink, how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. Like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk. They hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body. And nicotine, the same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes. Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. Affecting learning, memory, attention, and impulse control and priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth. And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana and vaping devices. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Email from school about the incident today. Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on? None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night, too. Did you have a clue? No. But you know, teachers like me, parents, we don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids. Half the time, it's rumors. It can be hard to tell sometimes, but if you have a concern about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor, someone you know and trust. Dad, no kid is going to tell an adult about that kind of stuff. I get it, but if we don't know, we can't help. Speaking up about a problem, that's what helping a friend is all about. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Outlets, Honor, throw it ahead to Hodge to the right wing. In the paint, go million, right corner, Brown, open three. Bang! 60-33, Missouri. That's Mike Kelly on the Tiger Network from Learfield joining us now on Show Me Today. Mike, great to talk with you again. 
Bill, it's great to catch up. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, I am, and uh, you the same. Mizzou basketball won another close game on Saturday, a five-point win against Ole Miss. Uh, got Missouri the four seed at the SEC tournament. And, Mike, I know that a first-year head coach, Dennis Gates, said they wanted to win the league, that that was the goal. But, boy, Mizzou fans, you got to be happy with 23 wins, top four in the SEC, uh, NCAA tournament coming up. I mean, that's a it's a great first year for Coach Gates. Well, put it in this way. Let's frame it like this, Bill, that 23 regular season wins matches the most since 2013-2014. 16 victories at home matches the most since 2013-2014. Four conference wins, a four-game winning streak in the league is the first time since 2018. And four games, winning your last four games in the regular season, that hasn't been done at Missouri since the 1993-94 season. So, um, he's, he's uh, establishing, um, I think, a really, really solid foundation at Mizzou. And uh, when you consider that, you know, only three guys from last year's roster are on this team this year, and two of those guys don't play. Uh, Ronnie DeGray's been out with a knee injury, and Caleb Brown has uh, played sporadically this season, appearing, I think, in only 11 of the 23 games. So really only Kobe Brown is the guy from last year that's back. Um, I think Dennis Gates has proven to Missouri fans, A, he knows how to uh, coach a team. He knows how to build the foundation for a program. Uh, but then he also knows how to make a cohesive group of, of guys uh, with a bunch of different pieces. And so, uh, you know, it's been fascinating to, to watch him work in his first year. And, and I hope he gets a, a lot of consideration for the SEC Coach of the Year because, again, this was a Missouri team that was that was picked at the beginning at the beginning of the season to finish the 11th. Um, nothing against Nate Oates. Nate Oates won the conference championship. He's done a terrific job. Uh, but Nate Oates also has Brandon Miller, the uh, you know one of the top freshmen, if not the, the top freshman in the country, also returned a number of players from a team that went to the NCAA tournament a year ago. Buzz Williams returned basically his entire roster, uh, with the exception of uh, you know the Marble kid that, that transferred in from Michigan State off a team that 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 made a run late last year in, in the SEC tournament, then all the way to the NIT championship game. Um, so he had he had a lot of the similar pieces uh, going into the season. Dennis Gates did not, and uh, produced a team that finished, you know, as you said, uh, fourth in the SEC uh, by virtue of the tiebreaker over Tennessee. And so, um, in my mind, Dennis Gates has been the coach of the year in the SEC. Mike Kelly on the, <clears throat> from the Tiger Network uh, from Learfield Sports joining us here on Show Me Today, and we're talking about Mizzou basketball. We'll touch on football here in a moment. Um, you know, Mizzou Arena started to fill up again. For me, at least my perception was that four-game swing in December, where they hosted KU and then had and and it was a loss. It was a bad game, but the crowd was great. Uh, then they had a thrilling win at Central Florida. Then they beat nationally ranked Illinois, nationally ranked Kentucky, and it felt like the fan base exploded after that. I mean, there was excitement, and you you watched Coach. Coach Gates, and you follow him on Twitter, and you kind of see what he's doing. It's like, boy, yeah, he's he's trying to build something here. But the, it just seemed to me like after that four game stretch, there it was like, hey, this team is real this year. Well, I, I think that's accurate, um, and, and I think that you know, um, it, it was a team that you saw develop credibility not only with their opponents that they were facing, but certainly with their fan base, a fan base that quite literally was yearning to see Missouri basketball return to some form of success. Um, and, you know, they, they were able to do that with, you know, a variety of different things. They showed consistency. They had, um, I think, two two-game losing streaks during the course of the season. So, um, you know, it, it, it was something that, that, that built very slowly, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, some of the early season games because the schedule was a little soft. Uh, didn't produce sellouts, but but once you got to the Kansas game, and once the um, again the fan base started to believe in this team, it, uh, it it became something that was commonplace. And so, you know, the the, the Tuesday eight o'clock tip-offs, midweek games, Tuesday eight o'clock, Wednesday eight o'clock, those are always going to be difficult to sell out. 
in Columbia, Missouri, because you have so many fans traveling from Kansas City and from St. Louis and elsewhere around the state. Yeah. Uh, but the weekend games, that was a hard ticket to get this year. Yep. One more thing, because you mentioned about Coach Gates, about how he's able to build and how he's able to build those players that he brought in. That is such an important piece now for a college coach, because gone are the days of recruiting a class and having them for three, four years. You're going to have to pluck out of the transfer portal and you know, he brought some guys with him from Cleveland State, but that is such a uh, such a powerful uh, ability to have as a coach to be able to to bring guys together that haven't spent a lot of time together and, and gel them into a team. That's a great skill well, to have. One, yeah, one of the things that they did too is that you know, if you go back to the very beginning, the summer when they all got together for the first time, they spent two weeks and they never touched a basketball. Uh, they had the team psychologist Joe Carcom and Dr. Carson. Uh, a lot of time with them. Just and they just talked, as they said. They just got to know each other. They just got to spend time around each other. Appreciate each other's background, each other's story, um, and that really allowed them to kind of free themselves of any agendas and um, and to be able to put their collective, you know, focus and thoughts on, on on having a successful season. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, may never get a chance once the season's over to play basketball, uh, but they 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 came here. Um, with just the idea of trying to to win and trying to make it to the NCAA tournament, which it appears certainly they're going to do, um, you know. And I think the other thing that was that was key is is bringing those four players from from Cleveland State, uh, because you know a guy like Ben Sternberg, even though he he rarely played, he was a guy that was respected in the locker room because of how hard he worked and because of his collective efforts were all focused on the team. Uh, Trey Goldmillion, the same thing. Probably a guy that's going to be a future coach on Dennis Gates' staff. Demoy Hodge, um, Mabor Majak, who didn't play much but works his tail off each and every time. And the, each and every time he's on the court. And then, of course, Demoy Hodge. I said four, so actually five players if you include the walk on Ben Sternberg. So it's, uh, you know, it, it, it was really, uh, I think, important for Gates to have those guys that understood his system. Uh, they helped teach it. And, um, you know, so moving forward, um, Missouri's done a good job in terms of recruiting. You know, they've got a class that's ranked, um, I know for sure, in the top 25. To tell you exactly where it is, I, I couldn't at this point in time. But, you know, you have to continue to recruit your, your roster each year. You have to continue to recruit the high school players and then keep an eye on the portal. But keep this in mind. I mean, Des Moines Hodge, Vince Sternberg, uh, DeAndre Golston, and Trey Goldmillion cannot come back. Their, their eligibility is exhausted at the end of the season. Sean East could come back. Isaiah Mosley could come back. Kobe Brown could come back. So uh, Missouri potentially could uh, could return uh, a lot of veteran presence on the on the roster next season. Yeah, definitely exciting. And the first game is Friday of the SEC tournament for Mizzou, and um, certainly looks like the NCAA tournament. So Dennis Gates has done a, a great job. Mike Kelly, voice of the Tigers, with us. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about uh, football and, uh, and a personal milestone for Mr. Kelly. Next here on Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Talking to your kids about the dangers of vaping can be hard. Getting them to listen to hot gossip is easy. So here's some drama you could share with your kid. Dude, did you hear about Cassie and Jake? No, but did you hear that vaping can cause irreversible lung damage and nicotine affects brain development? <gasps> Nuh-uh. You don't need to gossip if you want to have an open conversation about vaping. So if you want to get tips on when and how to talk to your kids, visit talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. As a truck driver, I've learned how important road safety is. I know that large trucks need more time and room to stop. That's why I always hang back and follow other vehicles at a safe distance. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're driving, try to remember to always give trucks extra space when you merge in front of them. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for youth. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals into your body. And nicotine, which can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samsa.gov. We all make choices about alcohol. Kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. 
Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Em, remind me about that party again. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations, and they want honest answers in everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. The United States Deputy Sheriff's Association is a national nonprofit and the largest non-governmental provider of services to law enforcement. The USDSA assists city, county, state, and federal agencies with free safety equipment donations and officer survival training along with cash donations to families of law enforcement officers who perish in the line of duty, college scholarships for the children of law enforcement, a citizen awareness program, and more. For more information on the USDSA and how you can help, visit usdeputy.org. We're back on Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. Glad you're with us. Mike Kelly is the voice of the Tigers, and he is joining us uh, for another segment. Uh, Mizzou football, they've started spring practice. Uh, any details yet on the black and gold game? You know, they've scheduled it. Yeah. And, but I, 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 by when I, I think it's during the weekend of the NCAA tournament. Bill, I'm going to be quite honest on this. I haven't paid attention to spring football in Missouri in probably 10 years. <laughs> and, and, and it's just because you get to the end of having done, you know, football and having done basketball. Um, and for me, it's just kind of a time to decompress, but yeah. it's been scheduled. I want to say it's, it's maybe the weekend of the 15th or 16th, maybe I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to look because uh, I don't even see it on Tigers.com to find out. <laughs> yeah, and I'm trying. Yeah, and I'm trying to find it there too. I thought maybe you'd have some inside information, but yeah, no, I totally. Yeah, no, I mean, I know I saw the email that said when it was, but but I honestly, I I, I paid very little attention to it. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm kind of the same way too when it comes to to spring football. That, that I mean, even the XFL and the USFL. I don't yeah. know. It's just yeah, it's a, it's a fall winter thing for me, so I have a hard time grasping uh, spring yeah. football too. But. Um, Fans can be very fickle. Uh, is this a, a make-or-break season for Eli Drinkwitz? I know he signed the uh, extension, but three 500 regular seasons. Do people start getting impatient, or, or has he got a little time here? Well, to, to, to answer your question, I don't know, because I'm not, I'm not in the room that will ultimately make that decision about his fate, um, nor will I be party to that. So it's hard for me to say from my vantage point, but but fans certainly I think have higher expectations, and um, you know I, I think that they certainly, uh, to use your word, can be fickle. Um, you know, um, it is your four. Um, I, I think that you know in this league um, there is a there is an expectation um, that coaches turn it by this time or. You've seen, I think, history shows that, that that changes are made in this league. Does that apply to Missouri? I don't know. Again, because I'm not a part of that a part of the group that will ultimately make that decision. Um, but but I think that the things that lead into that is, I think you always look at attendance. You certainly look at win loss records. You look, you look at player development. You look at you look at attendance. You know, and the and the, the financial impacts that it, that it can or um, that it can have on the program. And so. Uh, I think there's a variety of different factors that come in to specifically answer the question. I don't know uh, because again, I'm not a part of the conversation that he has with, with uh, you know, Desiree Reed Francois. I know different, uh, different age and, and different dynamics, but you know, if Mike Alden didn't stick with Gary Pinkle after three, four years, uh, who knows what would have happened with the program? Sometimes you need that patience. Yeah, well, and you got. I mean, look at look at uh, you know, look at what Kentucky's done. You know, and uh, you know they they made a commitment. Mitch Barnhart, uh, I think, made a very very uh, solid commitment to 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 Mark Stoops. You know, year three, year four to stay with him, um, and, and and they've been able to build um, a solid. 
program in Lexington. Um, I, I think in terms of, I think you have to understand your expectations and your place. You know, uh, this league is not going to get any easier. That's that's the big thing that everybody has to consider. Uh, because after this year, you know, two behemoths come into the league in Texas and Oklahoma. Well, by the way, you're probably going to have one of those. Uh, Oklahoma is probably going to be one of your, your permanent partners, uh, along with Arkansas and probably Vanderbilt is what I continue to hear. So, um, you know, I, I think there's there's always going to be an evaluation that takes place in a sport that's as important as football to the to any athletic department's bottom line. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, yeah, because there will be, once uh, Oklahoma and Texas join the SEC, there will be three permanent opponents for football. Right. And, uh, yeah, so you said Oklahoma, Arkansas had success there. And then and then Vandy, I know they've tripped us up a few times, but, boy, that's a good one to have every year on your schedule, though, too. <laughs> that's not bad. Right. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's very favorable. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. That's good. And I know, uh, you know Nick Saban was kind of complaining about Alabama because they had LSU and Tennessee and Auburn, and he's like, how do you come up with this? So, yeah, hey, you take any advantage you can get. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens when they uh, come around. Mike Kelly, uh, on a personal note, the voice of the Tigers, you just completed your 1,000th Mizzou broadcast. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Uh, yeah, now 1,001 um, yeah. games of doing play-by-play for basketball. So not 1,000 total. Yeah. Uh, 1,000 games of doing play-by-play. We started back in the 91-92 season. I did color the first year I was on the broadcast with Tom Dore back during the 90-91 season. Then 91-92 started, and uh, Joe Buck was my color analyst. And so uh, fond memories of those times. But, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. And, you know, the, the folks in athletics and Desiree Reed francois and certainly Dennis Gates and others just, just went out of their way to – to, to make me and my, my family feel special this weekend. So I'm very, very appreciative of that. Yeah, yep. All right, so a two-part question. What's the what's the basketball moment uh, or the call that fans will talk to you most about, the one that resonates with them? And is there a particular call from, from a game that sticks out more to you? Wow. Um, different? Probably the call from, from from both sports that I hear most about was when Missouri beat Kansas in the Armageddon game yeah. at Arrowhead, yeah. the Lorenzo Williams sack of Todd Reese in the end zone. That's probably the one that I hear uh, most from fans about. Reese being chased, hitting the end zone, safety, ball game, bingo! That's Mizzou it. is going to knock off its arch rival. I, I've heard... Um, you know, with the Golston game winner against UCF, and most recently his half-court shot to beat Tennessee. Gets it into Golston, left sideline, comes into the front court. Golston, a heave just inside a half-court. Bang! Bang! At the buzzer! Golston's second game winner of the season. First against Central Florida, and now against Tennessee. You know, this has been a special season. I mean, you know, Missouri's with the the two late the last second heaves from Golston, Nick Honor hitting the, the game winning three uh, to help Mizzou in overtime, uh, win a game here just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and then, you know, winning to Georgia, coming back and, 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 and being able to close out the, the game on Saturday. Noah Carter with a big uh, three point play late. Um, it's been special to be a part of that. And, uh, you know, so that's 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 uh, it's, it's been quite a blessing. Um, in terms of other basketball calls, I mean, people always remember the triple overtime game. Um, so not one call in particular, but the fact just the game itself. Um, you know, the, the, I've always framed college athletics as kids making plays, and uh, the one that I'll always remember being a part of was the, uh, you know, from an NCAA tournament perspective, was two of them actually. The, the Ty Sedney run to the basket in '95 in Boise, Idaho, when UCLA beat Missouri and survived and eventually went on to win the national championship. And then um, in the late 90s, I was doing radio for uh, for CBS, for Westwood One, during the NCAA tournament. And I had a chance to do the uh, play-by-play of the Bryce Drew uh, oh. last second three that beat Old Miss in the first round of the NCAA yeah. tournament. So yeah, uh, those are just uh, a few that I remember. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, 1,001, and uh, hopefully you tack on a few more here with the SEC tournament and NCAA tournament. That'd be nice. Hey, Mike. Uh, Your lips. Yeah. 
Your lips to God's ears. Yep, yeah, yep, absolutely. Mike, great catching up with you. Appreciate the time, and uh, and we'll talk again. Maybe when we get back into to football mode, both of us, we can we can sit down again. All right. <laughs> All right, cools off. Yeah, thank you. Mike Kelly, the voice of the Tigers here on Show Me Today, the voice of Missouri. I'll be here to hear what's on your mind. As an adult, kids want to know you're listening to them, but they also want to listen to you. When it comes to alcohol, they want to know your expectations and how and why to avoid underage drinking. Talking early and often about it in everyday conversations reinforces your message and keeps lines of communication open. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. Over the past few years, the COVID-19 pandemic has affected how we live our daily lives. Today, one in five Americans experience emotional and mental health challenges, but many of us do not understand what we are facing or how to ask for help. At the American Psychiatric Association Foundation, we work every day to eliminate stigma, combat mental illness and substance use disorders, and advance mental health. If you or someone you love needs help, you are not alone. Please visit mentallyhealthynation.org to learn more. I see you finally got a new helmet! I did. Bought it cheap online. <laughs> Follow me. We'll turn off here. I'm right behind you! Watch the cars. They can be crazy. Daddy! No! Are you okay? Somebody do something! Was this young man hit by a car? Yes, and his helmet is smashed. It's a brand new helmet! It's probably a fake. Fakes cause real harm. You're smart. Buy smart. Brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. I drive my bus in a busy city. That's why road safety is so important to me. I know that I must slow down and be extra careful when I make a wide turn. Buses need more room than cars. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're driving, remember to give buses plenty of time and space to finish turning before driving ahead. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. I've been driving trucks for a long time. Safety is my number one priority. I know that my truck has huge blind spots. That's why I remember to check my mirrors often for smaller vehicles. Everyone can help keep our roads safe. Next time you're behind the wheel, try to avoid lingering in those blind spots. It can be dangerous. Let's all plan to share the road safely. Learn how at www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. The first three years of every child's life are critical. Learn more about early intervention. How your baby or toddler plays, learns, talks, acts, and moves give important clues as to how they are developing. If you have any questions or concerns about whether your baby or toddler's development is on track, please call 1-800-515-BABY. That's 1-800-515-2229. Call 1-800-515-BABY. That's 1-800-515-2229. Back on Show Me Today. Always great to catch up with Mike Kelly. The Mizzou Tigers will be in the NCAA tournament. So will the Southeast Missouri State Redhawks. SEMO won the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament on Saturday. They were able to take down second-seeded Tennessee Tech 89-82 in overtime. This will be the second time that SEMO is going to the NCAA Tournament. The last time they made it was in 2000. They were a 13-seed, and they lost to fourth-seeded LSU 64-61. We're out of time. I'm Bill Pollack. Thank you. Show me today.